Hi, this is Listening In Radio. The opinions of the show are the opinions of the owner and not necessarily that of WRMI. Here we are on WRMI. I hope you enjoyed the bumper music, um, the beginning of the uh, podcast. And the song was called Wings of Liberty. It's by Eugeni Barzutsa from Kazakhstan. And I am Gene Stevens. And I'd like to introduce myself. I'm a ham radio operator, a shortwave listener, and a medium wave, the X chaser. And of course, I grew up on the Beatles. Okay, I just dated myself. Well, that's right. I'm a boomer. Oh, well. So I, I grew up on AM radio, which we affectionately uh, called Audio Misery back in the day. And I grew up in the Chicago area. And my favorite stations there were WCFL and WLS. And we listened to rock and roll. Uh, yes, the Beatles and many other people. Uh, but I also love listening to the early days of talk radio. Uh, to guys like uh, Eddie Schwartz of WIND Talk Radio, whose uh, favorite guest used to be none other than the famous Richard Crow, who was a ghost hunter, uh, passed away a few years ago, and actually got to go on one of his tours, and it was pretty pretty cool stuff. He did a ghost tour of Chicago, which is a great place to do a ghost tour. But I always had a radio uh, uh, interest or an interest in communications, and it started really... Uh, back in the 1970s with the big CB craze, thanks to uh, C.W. McCall, uh, whose real name was actually Billy Dale Fries Jr., and he was from Audubon, Iowa. And I'm, I'm in Iowa now, so he's like a, my connection here to Iowa, at least one connection, uh, besides my wife who uh, grew up here. But, you know, my favorite C.W. McCall song was not the the famed uh, Convoy song. It was, it was actually a Wolf Creek Pass. Wolf Creek Pass, way up on the Great Divide. Trucking on down the other side. It was a great, <laughs> great song. And uh, I started off in, in Citizens Band Radio uh, back in the day. And my first uh, CB radio was a Sonar Model E. And you'd have to look that one up. It's pretty interesting stuff. It was a huge uh, boat anchor. And it uh, uh, had eight channels. And it operated off of a... a Crystal, it was crystal controlled. It had actually a tuner. You could switch to a tuner. I could hear 23 channels, but I could only talk on eight. Uh, so I always wanted to be in communication. So as I, I grew up, I, I turned 18. I immediately knew I needed to get out of my neighborhood in Chicago and go do something with my life. So I joined the military, and I joined the Navy in 1978 during the Cold War. I really wanted to be a radioman, and... Radio in school was not open during that time. I was very disappointed with the whole thing. So I was sitting there with a detailer uh, in uh, at Great Lakes in Chicago, and he sat down and he said, well, son, you want to be in communications. Why don't you be a signalman? Well, at the time, it sounded pretty good, uh, but they shipped me out to San Diego, and I went to the uh, signalman A school there, and I did not like it. I just did not have an interest in waving flags and uh, flashing a light, I wanted to operate a radio, and I was kind of angry. And um, I tried to bomb it and get out of uh, get out of that school, and thought I'd be better off going and becoming a bosun's mate in a deck ape and uh, working and getting dirty and stuff. But uh, there was an old chief there, uh, Navy Chief Sigelman. His name was Chief Warshawski, and he was an old tough bird. And he sat me down and he told me how it was going to be. And he's like, "No, son, you're going to finish this school and you're going to be a Navy Sigelman." And that's what I did. But you know what? Despite the aggravation I put myself through and the anxiety that I had over it, it turned out to be really a, a great job in the long run. And I'm glad I got to uh, 
to be a Navy signalman, and I'm glad I got to see the world from the outside of the ship instead of the inside of the ship, because anything that went on around us, I got to see it all when I was on duty, so it was it was pretty good stuff. So another story that came out of that later on, I was on the USS Wichita, which is an auxiliary oiler, and I served under a salty old sea captain. He was a naval aviator, actually, and he was kind of a tough guy, and I never really liked him, but his name was Dan Pedersen, and I'll just mention Dan Pedersen here because uh, I can. And actually, he, he wrote a book, and the reason I found out about this is I was sitting at home uh, one day on uh, on my easy chair, and I was watching TV, and I was flipping through the channels, and as I'm flipping through the channels, suddenly I, I see Dan Pedersen's face staring at me, and I'm like, what the heck? What's he doing on TV? So I, I turned up the volume, and it was, he was on C-SPAN, and he was talking about a book that he wrote, and it was called Top Gun. And I had no idea that this naval aviator, tough guy, had actually founded the Top Gun School and wrote a book about, about it later on. I have a copy of his book, by the way. I don't have a signed copy. I would be just too scared to ask him for a signed copy. I don't think he liked me very much, but I might be completely wrong. But anyhow, that was kind of my, my naval career in a nutshell. So many years went by, and around the year 2000, I met an old friend, uh, Ray, uh, and we worked together, and he was a big science guy. He enjoyed science. And I was actually working at radio at the time. I was working in a security operations center uh, for a corporation. So I, I was actually did eventually become a radio operator in, in that light. Uh, but he sat down one day, and he says, I, I can see you really like radio. And I'm like, yeah, I do. And, and he said, why don't we go get our ham radio license together? And we did. And um, I got my ham radio license, and I became a tech, and eventually I became uh, a general. And I've been doing it for 23 years. But because of that, it led me to a lot of other things. It introduced me to shortwave radio. It introduced me to medium wave DXing. And, of course, uh, I always had a CB laying around. It was always a, a thing for me because that's where I started out. And I'm also semi-retired now. And that has opened up a lot of opportunities for me to pursue radio a lot more. So I started listening uh, or a station a YouTube channel, I should say, excuse me, um, called Listening In Radio. So I wanted to share what I learned about radio with other people. And I do talk it up now. I talk to other people about getting shortwave radios. And I actually, believe it or not, I have a conversations with my 40-year-old son. And we actually talk about radio now. And he asks me questions about radio. So I became his Elmer and probably an Elmer to a few other people who are interested in a hobby. But I find an interest in both the active communication side and you know, the passive listening side. In fact, finally, over the last uh, year or so, I finally picked up my Worked All States Award and my Worked All Continent Award. So I'm very happy that uh, that actually turned out uh, the way that it the way that it did. So it's, you know, good stuff. Uh, good, great hobby. Uh, and you can also check out my YouTube channel, Listening In. If you just go in and type in, do a search and do uh, Listening In Radio YouTube, it's going to come up. But the uh, address for it is www.youtube.com, Gene Stevens, all one word, 7584. Again, it's uh, youtube.com, uh, Gene Stevens, 7584, all one word. And you can also feel free to reach out to me uh, at listeninginradio at protonmail.com if you have any questions. Again, that's all one word, listening in, listening in radio at protonmail.com, and you can reach me there if you want to compliment me or if you want to throw rocks at me and uh, tell me that uh, I could do better. 
I'm always open to your suggestions. So, And let's move on to uh, some news and commentary here. So what's going on right now with the shortwave world? Currently, there is a shortwave and medium wave contest going on right now, and you can check that out online. You can uh, go to my YouTube channel. There's information about it there. And I personally have logged over 200 transmissions, uh, and, and that includes uh, about 43 different shortwave stations and about 24. I think I'm up at like 26 now, actually, uh, 26 medium wave DX stations. So I'm uh, and I'm learning a lot of new things about shortwave scheduling and places where uh, they reside on the dial. That's very important. But I could tell you the one thing about uh, shortwave radio that I found that it, uh, as far as propagation goes and conditions and uh, where to find them, there's always uh, things moving around on the schedule. We just went through the winter schedule. So I'll just call shortwave consistently inconsistent. But that's okay. It makes it, it, makes it a challenge. And I've come to the realization that uh, it appears uh, that the Chinese have more shortwave stations around the world than anyone else, I'm pretty sure. And in fact, uh, not only that, the Chinese are relaying uh, their programming in Chinese uh, through Cuba. Uh, reminds me of the Cold War. I think it's maybe the Cold War on steroids. Could very well be. And uh, all of those transmissions, like I said, thus far seem to be in Chinese. And that would suggest to me that um, there's many Chinese people speaking people in this hemisphere that they're addressing. Just a theory. But there's a, a stark unfolding, uh, stark truth unfolding in the world, and the winds of change are kind of upon us. There's a lot going on. We have you know winds of political upheaval, the winds of war. Uh, and just to mention, there is um, also a website, if you're interested in finding out about these Chinese stations and what's going, what's going on with them, um, it's kind of interesting, but there's a, a it's funny how um, people find certain niche things to get into with the radio hobby. But uh, there's a website. It's called chriscadlec.com. It's all one word. C-H-R-I-S-K-A-D-L-E-C.com. And Chris does a lot of research on uh, Chinese shortwave radio stations. And I think it's worth checking out if you have an interest in, in that thing. And uh, word has it uh, from Glenn Hauser's World of Radio, um, and I'm an avid listener of Glenn, had been uh, for many years on World of Radio, and that All India uh, Radio is moving to include more programming in English. And I'm not sure if a lot of people are aware of it, but, um, and you could look this up, uh, India is in um, is a BRICS nation, which is... Uh, uh, a group of nations that are involved in a common uh, economic pursuit. You might want to check that out, and it's B-R-I-C-S nation. And it could be why, and just, again, one of my theories as to why they're moving to a more uh, English-inclusive uh, dialogue on the radio. So what's the status uh, on our hobby? Well, right now I'm looking at protecting AM radio myself. In fact, I received an email a few months ago from Sea Crane Radio um, that auto manufacturers were planning on removing AM radios from vehicles, particularly um, uh, electric vehicles, because, well, allegedly they cause, electrical vehicles cause interference on AM radio. Well, uh, we all know that's true. They do cause, electricity does cause interference on AM radio, but I didn't see why there would be a, an emergency need to get rid of an AM radio and not have that mode in there. But uh, 
C. Crane asked everybody, in fact, they, they asked everybody to write their senators and congressmen about it, and it so happens that they had a format already set up with my senator's name in it, and I'm sure they did for probably every every senator in the nation. And um, so um, I transmitted the information to my senator, who was Chuck Grassley from Iowa. He was a uh, famed uh, politician of great longevity, if I must say so myself, but he was kind enough to initially respond to my inquiry about what's going on with vehicles and AM radio. And I just want to read you the letter uh, that I got back from Chuck Grassley uh, telling me what their plans were. And it goes like something like this. No, actually, it goes like this. Dear Mr. Stevens, thank you for contacting me with your support for maintaining access to AM radio in new vehicles. As your senator, it is important for me to hear from you. I'm glad I wrote you, Chuck. I really am. But anyhow, uh, I recognize that many Iowans depend on AM radio stations to report on important community news, weather, and emergency information. I know firsthand that AM radio provides crucial information to farmers in the fields who may not have access to broadband service, allowing them to access information about weather. Uh, and that's not a joke. We have some pretty pretty mean weather here in Iowa from time to time. And crop reports, of course, we listen to crop, uh, crop reports every morning on the local news here, uh, in local, specifically the local AM radio stations. Okay, continuing. AM radio has also uh, the capacity to reach large geographical areas, areas to continue to work even during natural disasters, ensuring that Iowans and Americans throughout the country receive vital life-saving information during emergencies. Uh, AM radio is a dependable mode of communication for many Iowans who live in rural areas or rely on it while traveling. However, some automobile manufacturers have removed AM radio in new electric or hybrid vehicles due to concerns about electric, electrical magnetic interference. There are concerns that this worrisome trend may make its uh, way to new conventional vehicles. I am pleased Ford reversed its decision to exclude AM radios in or from 2024 models after hearing from the stakeholders. The National Association of Broadcasters, NAB, and other radio stakeholders are meeting with car manufacturers to preserve AM radio for listeners by promoting software upgrades that can reduce interference while maintaining an electrical vehicle's performance. I'm not sure how a radio would interfere with the electrical vehicle's performance. I'm a little bit vague on that one, but uh, maybe an electrical engineer can send me a comment on that. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of stifled by that. But anyway, um, anyway, uh, additionally, members of Congress, Federal Communications Commission, FCC Commissioner Symington, and former Federal Emergency Management Agency administrators have called on auto manufacturers and U.S. Department of Transportation to access, or I'm sorry, to preserve access to AM radio and electric vehicles. Well, I am concerned that the removal of AM radio in different vehicles may limit the ability of Iowans to receive critical information about weather or other emergency situations. For that reason, I co-sponsored um, uh, the bill as uh, S period 1669, the AM radio for every vehicle act of 2023 requiring vehicle manufacturers to keep AM broadcast radio in all vehicles at no additional cost. It would also require that potential buyers be informed uh, of any personal, uh, if, if any previously manufactured vehicle does not have access to AM broadcast radio before the NHTSA, which is the National Highway and Traffic Administration regulation is finalized. Finally, it would direct the Government Accountability Office to examine whether alternative communication systems can replicate AM broadcasts with regard to emergency alerts. Kind of a loophole there, unfortunately. 
On July 27, 2023, the Senate Committee on Commerce, Science, and Transportation advanced S-1669 out of committee. This legislation has been placed on the Senate calendar. You can be assured that I will continue to support this bipartisan legislation as it moves through the legislative process. Thank you again for taking the time to contact me. I hope you will continue to keep me informed of federal matters that are important to you. My offices in Iowa, as well in Washington, D.C., are here to serve you. So I recently followed up on this, uh, the bill, uh, S-1669, with an email to um, the good senator's office, uh, Senator Grassley, and I have not heard an update, so I am not aware of what the current status is, except that it has moved out of committee. I don't know where we stand on that. So, so to, all I can say is to the best of my knowledge, this bill has not moved any further. But in addition to this, you know, the government wants to have kill switches in our vehicles and on the Internet, and that's not a secret uh, whatsoever. That is um, an idea that's out there, and it has been floated, and it has been talked about. So I, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's just the truth. This is what they're, they're talking about. So I guess they, they also really don't want you to have an AM radio. Um, and I, I, like I said, I don't think this is a, a rumor or conspiracy theory. I just think it's simple fact that that's what they want to do. But anyhow, moving on to the uh, next uh, news story. Uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania uh, from WNEP. Scranton, Pennsylvania. Isn't that where uh, Joe Biden's from? Well, he said he was from there, but I'm, I'm not sure. Tell you the truth, I don't, I don't think he's sure either, but that's just my opinion. But anyway, uh, apparently uh, WNEP uh, reported that there is a ham radio station uh, being put together at the University of Scranton. Well, nice job. So, you know, the antenna is going up for this, uh, this new ham radio station in Scranton. And uh, this story says the new antenna was installed to help students learn more about radio waves and their connection to the atmosphere and uh, space ahead of a research project. Um, they had a crane out there putting up the new antenna, and ironically, wow, it's on top of the Loyola Science Center. Hmm. Loyola. Interesting. Uh, at the University of Scranton, uh, with some excited onlookers nearby. Uh, we're going to get some valuable information a lot of other people are excited about it, so it gets us excited too, said uh, Thomas Paisano, a junior at the university. Dr. Nathaniel Frizzle is an assistant professor of physics and engineering at the university, and he says the antenna uh, will put a uh, student-run ham radio station online. Dr. Frizzle says ham radios can connect you with people all around the world, and it has special radio waves. I'm not sure what he means by special radio waves, but I'm certainly glad they're, uh, uh, they have a scientist uh, at the head of this, a professor of physics and engineering at the university. I think that's pretty awesome. We need more engineers. Uh, so anyhow, uh, special radio waves. Okay. Um, these signals, when they leave the antenna, they just don't go straight up where you can see it. Um, I didn't know we could see radio waves. But anyhow, I digress. Um, in fact, I don't believe anybody has ever seen a radio wave. But any, anyway, uh, they'll actually go up uh, to the upper atmosphere, which they do, and will be reflected back down to Earth. And then they can hop multiple times to Dr. Frizzle. He is correct. Yeah, that's that skip. That's what we love. Okay. Uh, there's also science behind those signals. Uh, yes, there is. And... They can be affected by the atmosphere and weather in space. Dr. Frizzle's project to bring the station to the university was on 05 chosen as part of the Citizen Science Project with NASA. Oh, good job, NASA. Outstanding. Uh, we're working on figuring out how we can uh, 
how we can use, use it to support knowledge of space weather and advanced science as well, said Dr. Frizzle. Several students and volunteers from other states came to watch the tower go wet. They all took part in a previous study during the annual, or annual eclipse last month and were looking forward to how much more data they can collect from it. And this is an antenna that lets you hear things. Well, all antennas do let you hear things, uh, by the way. Um, you, need, you need this big of an antenna and this type of tower in order to be able to have sensitivity to see the small changes that we're interested in. Oh, very good, said Steve Sirwin of Texas. Uh, we didn't get to see much with the annular, uh, the way the rotation was in the clouds. So this one, I'm excited to get a better data. Uh, this will, uh, with this better equipment, and maybe we'll uh, be able to see something, said Paisano. The total solar eclipse will happen next spring on April 8th, and the scientists and students will be ready for it. Very good. Excellent. Glad to hear that they're, uh, uh, they're putting that all together. And uh, Pirate Radio. Glenn Hauser's World of Radio reported pirate radio stations were being monitored on 7320 kilohertz playing music without an identification. This isn't unusual. Um, in my opinion, it is pretty usual. Uh, what does seem to be changing and, changing and what is unusual with pirate radio is there seems to be another phase of FCC enforcement taking place. I've heard that a um, bunch of CB folks have been cited and fined for um, interference and other pirates have been fined with really hefty fines. Um, there's a story, uh, pirates, pirate radio stations um, are in their sites. And this story says in October of this year, the FCC located and cited a pirate radio station called Eastern Oregon Pirate Radio and fined the owner $80,000. Wow. You know, when the FCC comes out and they, they find somebody, they really do a huge job. I understand that there were some uh, pirates in Hawaii that suffered a, uh, a million dollar uh, fine for, for what they did. That was another story that was floating around. A lot of food for thought there. You know, under the current leadership, I guess my best advice is if you're operating your CB or your, your ham radio or you're, you're operating a pirate shortwave station, you really should adjust your transmitting habits accordingly uh, until we get through this particular phase that's uh, going on. So winter hours, shortwave broadcasters around the world have gone to winter hours. I suggest looking directly at broadcasters' website for any changes, but there's a, a good, many good resources to sort through. Uh, like I said uh, before, the situation on shortwave seems to shift quickly, so we just got to roll with it, right? Okay, solar activity. According to Science Alert, we are currently in solar cycle 25, heading for a solar maximum, which is slated for July 2025. You know, it's already sounding hot, and I think it's going to be good. The period at which sunspot activity peaks, the solar cycle 24 was fairly quiet. As far as solar cycles go, with a peak of 114 spots, the average, according to the story, is 17 191. Seems like a lot. Uh, for more detailed information on sunspot activity, you can visit spaceweatherlive.com. That's spaceweatherlive.com. And check that out and get information. They provide real-time auroral, auroral and uh, solar activity updates, including sunspot regions, solar flares, coronal mass ejections. And as of now, they report there are 74 sunspots on the sun. Okay, uh, radio questions. I went online uh, a few days ago to ask uh, folks I know in the radio hobby this question. And the question was this, do you think the radio hobby is more component driven today or more technical? Meaning, do radio hobbyists still actively build or repair their own equipment or is it more buy the equipment, use it to its, uh, the end of its service life and throw it away and replace it when, when the equipment comes to the end of that service life? 
Um, what about accessories like tuners and antennas? Do you build your own stuff? Do you, do you build your own antennas? A lot of people do. I've, I've actually built my own tuner for my shortwave antenna. Do you build your own stuff or do you buy them directly? Um, I will give everyone the answer to that question on our next episode of Listening in Radio. If you have any questions pertaining uh, to this, you want to you answer that question, send me an email at listeninginradio at protonmail.com. So drop me a line if you want to uh, talk about that. I'd be interested to hear how you, you know, what you do, you know, how you buy your stuff and uh, do you build your own stuff. Interesting. So anyway, um, operating opportunities. Right now, um, the winter and new solar cycle presents a lot of listing opportunities, a lot of operating opportunities. Um, if you're ham radio with a tech license, hey, get on 10 meters. Go buy yourself a 10 meter radio. Get on, get on HF. Join us on HF. 10 meters is great when it opens up. You talk to people all over the world on on less than 100 watts here, QRP station. Hey, come on, come on down, you know, uh, join us. Uh, in my opinion, go get yourself a 10 meter radio with single sideband uh, capability. Um, I use a SolarCon A99 antenna, uh, and I've, I also use a vertical inverted V for my ham radio operation. But for when I'm doing 10 meters, I use the vertical. The vertical A99 works really great, um, you know, probably because it has that, that upward propagation uh, that does a skyward propagation probably and um, it just really works really works great and it works great where I live too because originally I, I was introduced to the uh, uh, the A99 when I lived uh, in Illinois because I lived in a Fox River Valley now I live in the Des Moines River Valley it's basically the same problem that I had uh, which I'm down in I'm down in this deep valley that runs for many miles so getting a signal out of here and getting a signal in is kind of difficult so that configuration worked really well for me for my situation and I just found the A99 to be a really, really, really good performer. And uh, I think it's it's just a great just a great idea. So shout outs. I'd like to give a really huge shout out to C Crane Radio. And I tried to get C Crane Radio and some other uh, vendors to um, sponsor me. And I haven't gotten a firm answer. C Crane said that they weren't prepared to do that right now. And that's fine, but I just want to give a big shout out to Sea Crane Radio because I had I bought a Sea uh, Crane EP Pro uh, a few months back, and it had a big problem, and it actually kind of died on me. And I was uh, actually it was a year ago, it was over a year ago when I got the the EP Pro. And when I it, when it died, I contacted Sea Crane, and it was actually I think it was about four days out of warranty. But they said, you know what? No, we'll honor the warranty. You're only a few days out. They turned that radio around and they sent me a brand new radio without any questions asked. You know, I really hope that one day I could get C Crane um, as a uh, sponsor. I think it would be great. But I really, really recommend their radios. And for somebody who's an avid shortwave listener and AM radio DXer, C Crane to me is the go-to place. And it's really the go-to place to me even more now because of the way their service department handled my problem. And they have really great customer service. So I think that's, I think that's really special. I'm hoping to get... Um, uh, MFJ, I'm still talking to MFJ. I haven't heard any word from them as of yet. And I approached uh, DX Engineering too, but they're all good companies, you know, and, and it's times are tough and they probably have a lot of other things they sponsor. DX Engineering wasn't interested right now, but maybe MFJ will be. I haven't heard back from them, but, you know, only, only time will tell. But anyway, so shout outs to people. And again, this is my first program here on WRMI. I'm really happy to be here and uh, I'll be doing another uh, another uh, podcast in December. I believe we're going to be on December 2nd on the same frequency. So uh, please keep in listening in for us and uh, check out listening in radio. 
on YouTube. If you have any um, questions or comments, please, again, reach out to me on Listening in Radio at ProtonMail.com. I would certainly, certainly love to hear uh, anything you guys have to say or comments about uh, the podcast. And uh, good luck to you. And by the way, my call signs, my uh, listening in call signs are KB9001MWDX, KB9001SWL, and KB9001SSB. And those are from the Shortwave Amateurs Listening Association. My ham radio call sign, FCC call sign, is WN9ZWC. And it's great to talk to everybody here. Have a, have a great day. Come back and listen to us again.